Well, hello everybody, and welcome to our latest edition of Manifest Control Matters, and again in person with Martin. Good day, Martin. Uh, yeah, hello, Brett. And oh, we, gee, I nearly forgot my name. <laughs> and we've got another special guest with us, John Otter. So welcome, I don't count as a special guest. You are, well, oh yeah, you are a special. Yeah, guest. special guest. I didn't know that a podcast voice was a thing. Oh no, it's, oh, it's yeah. just switched on his podcast. No, 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 no. It, it has. It, oh, it, it's yeah. a thing. I mean, the one we did in your room at IPS—that's <laughs> in the top ten. I'm sorry, I should rephrase that in the, in the light of <laughs> top, political statement. Top ten of what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. We're going to have a chat, mm. and we wanted to talk to you, but you just put a blog up on uh, your Gloves Off campaign. We yeah. were listening to Rose Gallagher this morning from the RCA and also talking about, you know, the overuse of gloves. So yeah. w- what made you think, okay, we're going to go with this at Guys and Tommies, and uh, how are you going to go about it? So gloves has been a big feature of the pandemic, hasn't it? Yeah. And when the first IBC COVID guidance came out in the middle of the night on a Friday for a bank holiday weekend, it said effectively you've got to wear gloves for all direct patient care. And looking back, I regret that maybe I didn't push back harder about that locally at the time, because I think we could have said... Would they have listened nationally? Nationally, no, but locally, mm. yeah. maybe. Okay. But that was quite hard because it was national mm. guidance and there was a lot going on. Yeah. So I think we sort of had to follow the national steer. But now things have changed. We've got the new National Infection Control Manual, and it opens the door to a, a much better and clearer-minded approach to the use of gloves during patient care. Still a lot of glove use in it, though, for contact precautions. I mean, they've got a bacillus serious infection, needs contact precautions. I'm not really quite sure why, although it would explain why when you get served a Chinese takeaway, they're <laughs> handling the rice with gloves. But you know, I think it still is pushing it a little bit too far, I think, with contact precautions for many things that actually our skin's a pretty good barrier. I agree. And we can definitely talk about contact precautions. But I think for me, the vast majority of patient care is not transmission-based precautions. Mm. It's just a relatively routine, relatively Mm. low-risk interaction Mm. between a healthcare worker and a patient. And there, we need to be asking the question, do I need to wear a pair of gloves? Mm. And I've really asked for in detail for the first time, okay, well, when do we need a pair of gloves? Brett, Mm. when do we need gloves? Well, actually, before I even get to when do we need gloves, I think the question is why are we using gloves and and the consequences of inappropriate glove use is important. Yeah. And, you know, um, Rose Gallagher's chat today at the IPS Welsh study day is an interesting one from an environmental point of view, the huge amount of waste that it creates. It's phenomenal. I mean, the the paper that she presented and you tweeted, John, I think, yeah, it was a 12, 12 billion. 12 billion. Uh, sets yeah. of gloves. I know. Um, I mean, it's, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? It's really, just insane. That's got to go somewhere. Yeah, it's got to. It's got to be produced, and yeah. so the impact is really huge. And then when we use gloves in clinical settings when they're not appropriate, um, because of mm, perhaps a false sense of security uh, yeah. and, and misuse, is potentially going to lead to some transmission events. Yeah. So I think one of the easy and clear time when you need gloves is when we're dealing with blood or bodily fluids. I mean, for me, that's pretty clear cut. If you're going to clean up something that's, you know, blood sodden or, or, you know, feces, whatever it might be, you're going to want to, you want to wear gloves. Um, uh, now, at the other end of the spectrum, we're thinking about things like MRSA, VRE for contact precautions. I think we probably don't need gloves um, is my, my sort of personal view on that. So, you know, and it's the grey areas in between, I think, that we need to work through uh, as well. 
How are you selling it to staff then, John? Because they've been used to wearing gloves for virtually everything. As long as they come through the door, a pair of gloves goes on. And, yeah. and with, with luck, they change between patients, but not necessarily always either. But you know, how, how are you going to get over this message to staff? And how's it going down, really, the campaign so far? So before we get to that, I think there's another reason why or a consequence of wearing gloves and overusing gloves, and that's the patient perspective. Hmm. So if you're a patient in healthcare, certainly before COVID, the qualitative analysis, see, Martin, I'm into it. Yeah, very good, John. <laughs> tells us convert, sinner. patients don't really like being cared for with gloves. Hmm. Obviously, there's mixed opinion. Some people makes it makes them feel safe, but generally speaking, patients feel a bit grubby Yeah, if a healthcare worker has to wear gloves to care for them. So I think the patient perspective is an important driver in all of this. How is it landing really well? Really well. I think people are ready to get rid of the gloves. Okay. When a bit out in the wards. That's really reassuring, actually, because I thought that might be a hard sell. So yeah. That's good news. Uh, you generally kind of gently challenge the practice. Why are you wearing gloves? What's the logic? And they mm. say, because you've told me to for two years. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. And, <laughs> and any, any concerns about actually the infection control team being seen to, hang on a minute, they can't make their minds up when they're rowing back on something they've been teaching us to do for years? Absolutely, yes. But to be honest, it's happened so many times over the past two years. Mm. I think I'm, I'm much more used to rolling with it. Okay. And just saying, yeah, we were saying that. Yeah. Things have changed. And, and, this and, is that's, why. and that's actually nothing wrong with that, exactly. is there? You know, yeah. you know, showing you're changing your mind with yeah. the evidence and yeah. actually we don't need to do something is fine. And also acknowledging maybe we've got it wrong. Yeah. Maybe mm. way back when we should have done this, but we mm. had a lot going on, as I yeah. said before. So I think if you gently challenge the logic, most staff will say, oh, yeah, you're right. Actually, that means I don't need to wear gloves. Brilliant. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think it's landing really well. Yeah. Um, we've, um, we've decided to run a campaign and we've called it... Um, Glove or no glove. Okay. And there's some ideas maybe about some gamification later mm. on down the line. Okay. But you'll have heard of the RCN campaign, which is gloves off. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but for that, just felt a little bit pinchy. Okay. Mm. Maybe the message behind Gloves that. on or gloves off. Glove or no glove. Glove or, or, glove no, or no glove. glove. So we want so, staff so to ask the question yeah. in their mind whenever they're doing something, glove yeah. or no glove. And, and what, are you doing that posters or how are you actually getting the message out? Then? Yeah. Multi-channel posters, yeah. digital um, and maybe some fun stuff planned down the line. Hmm. And what's your key messages about glove on? When you say glove on always? <laughs> yeah. Essentially, if it's wet and sticky and mm. not yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's, not, that's not yeah. the formal yeah. 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 <laughs> line, but that, that's what we're trying to get started. Yeah. It's really body fluid exposure. Yeah. That's the key risk. Mm. Some sterile procedures, you might want to think about gloves, but... Everything else, I really begin to question it. If you look at the evidence, why, why during contact precautions, unless you've got body fluid exposure within that, yeah. would you want to wear gloves? It introduces all the risks and the benefit isn't there. Mm. Yes, you might contaminate your hands with an MDRO from the patient, mm. but you wash them using hand hygiene. And if mm. you're wearing gloves, you contaminate your gloves and you still yeah. have to deal with that. That's right. And actually, it, it becomes easier if you're doing multiple procedures on the same patient. I remember very early on when we started doing the podcast, I did one with Lorraine Hurwalter. It showed that people always did procedures out of order. They did the most risky procedures first for contamination and then went on to the cleaner things. Right. And hand hygiene wasn't always 100%. And if you're wearing gloves, you've then got to take your glove off, clean your hand and put a new pair of glove on. Yeah. Whereas if you're dealing with something dirty on a patient and they and suddenly they go, oh, I need you to do that quickly. Yeah. You can gel your hands very quickly. Yeah. So it's got to speed up care processes and make it much easier to do the right thing, doesn't it? Yeah. If, if you've not actually got a glove on. Yeah. Now, I was going to ask, John, because the, the glove on, we can do, deal with it from an IPC perspective, but yeah. do we use gloves, as you just touched on, about clinical procedures? Yeah. 
Are you going down the route of looking at all those different types of procedures that are done and going, yeah. yes, a glove, and if it's a glove, the type of glove that's yeah. needed? Yeah. Because um, that's, that's a grayer area, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Better, I mean, exactly it? that. We engage with key stakeholders that understand the sort of pharmaceutical aspects and cytotoxic mm. drugs that we have out there to try and pull up a list of common procedures, the things we do often, glove mm. on column, glove off. Because mm. I think staff like simple messaging. Because... Mm. There's lots of things to take in, isn't there? Lots mm. of change going on. We try questionnaireing the staff. You know, what would you, you know, do you think you can do without gloves for these procedures? And then maybe there'll be some things on that you think, well, actually, you probably can. So there's so there's an area where we might need to target because they still think they're going to need gloves for that, whereas actually the evidence says you won't. It's yeah. a great idea. We should definitely do that. Yeah. And, and I'm keen to push this even further. If we look within our respiratory pathway, where logically you might say, well, the patient's got a respiratory infection, they're going to be coughing mm. everywhere. Of course, you wear gloves. Yeah. In fact, many of our patients on a respiratory pathway are mm. either asymptomatic or have very few respiratory symptoms. Mm. So even within a respiratory pathway, I think we can question whether we need gloves all the time by rote, yeah. although we still make that risk assessment of the patient mm. front of us and the task at hand. Are you getting anybody throwing it at you that, oh, you're just doing this to save money? And procurement are pushing this? Or you, no, we're not we haven't that had that yet. Okay. Maybe some people feel like... They might do now, now Martin's mentioned. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Uh, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about... So I'm going to give a really specific example, and, and you maybe can't do it off the top of your head, but um, preparing antibiotics, Yeah. Um, you know, injecting into a vial, make, mixing it up, gloves on, yeah. gloves off. Generally, I start with gloves off, and I yeah. ask the question, why would you want to put gloves on? What mm. are you trying to stop in that situation? I suppose what you might say is, actually, I've got quite a few bugs on my hands. Mm. I don't want that getting into. I've been my pruning stomach. the roses at the weekend, and I've got grazes everywhere. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get into my sterile production mm. or sterile sterile infusion. Maybe gloves might reduce the risk of getting a bug in that infusion, but it won't mm. take away a risk or, altogether. So I think that's probably right on the borderline. Yeah, that, that's why I asked it. In reverse, what about then? I guess the, the argument say, well, I don't want the antibiotics on my fingers because I don't want to have that. Yeah, colonising and just all disrupting rather the the normal floor of my hands. Yeah, that's fair enough. That that would be another reason to do. It. Mm. So that's quite a good example. And maybe maybe you would wear gloves there. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I asked that question because I'm sort of seeing on the fence. I can kind of see both sides, and so I wondered where you, where, you, where your thoughts. My thought is probably tend to wear them more than not wear them. Yeah. Purely from the point of view of of that risk of you know when you stick something in a vial, you get a bit of antibody might squirt back out. Yeah. You, what are you going to do with your hands afterwards? Yes, of course, you should wash them. But yeah. that, that that sort of, are you going to disrupt and have antibiotics in an area that perhaps we don't want them? Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to do a little study with like not antibiotics in the vial, but see actually, you know, with something fluorescent to actually see how often mm. when you're preparing something in a tube, do, would you actually get contaminated yeah. in that way? Maybe it's not even an issue. It, it may be not be an issue mm. at all, but I'm not sure anyone's ever looked at it. And that would be quite an easy thing to mock up, really, to try and, you know, publish a paper saying, well, we tried this on 300 people mixing up a mm. pseudo-antibiotic, and we showed no contamination. Therefore, we've mm. got some evidence that this is safe. Mm. Yeah, it's good. That'd be easy enough to do. Any idea what sort of savings? Again, on the saving thing, I know that's not a prime motivator, but it, it is good for, from an you know, environmental point of view, but yeah. actually it means the hospital could invest, could invest some money in something else. Hat. Yeah, hat, well, yeah, hat would be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're actually linking up quite closely with the sustainability team, the trust to co-lead the programme. Um, and... I don't know if you found this, but sometimes sustainability can be seen as the enemy in fetch control because mm. we like single-use products because mm. they're less mm. contamination risk. Obviously, sustainability wants to 
reprocess mm. products to the extent possible. So there's sometimes some tension there, but on this, we have complete common ground mm. because it, we, it, it's improving our carbon footprint, it's reducing our waste, uh, and it's saving money. Mm. As mm. to the extent, I, I don't actually know. Okay. How you, are you going to You don't know what your glove spend is annually, but I mean, it'd be interesting to look at that. It, and actually, yeah. All the storage space that suddenly gets <laughs> freed up mm. a bit by the you know the shelves that are racked out with gloves at the moment. That's yeah, I mean I know we, we we know that we spend loads of money on gloves. We use forty four million gloves every year in one single NHS trust, mm. and we're very keen to measure the impact of this campaign. Yeah, and try mm. and put some numbers to the to the impact because that will help others to, to do something similar. I expect. Yeah, and the follow-up qualitative study asking staff, mm. do they feel safer? Do they yeah. feel confident? That sort mm. of stuff. You know, yeah. I bet you can't wait to get your hands on that. Absolutely. I'm very into interviewing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was my question. I was going to ask about the, the evaluation side and, and, and staff. And it's a good point, Mike, about storage. All those extra benefits that might that might flow. It'd be really interesting to see, okay, say it saves money or has these extra benefits. How is that money reinvested? It's a separate question, but... I suspect um, you'll never find out. No, right? no, this gets used up somewhere else. But yeah. but it's an interesting thought because you have a fi- you have a fixed fine out budget, centrally, well, supposedly, and 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 so when you when there is a clear saving, it'd be great to say, look, any chance five percent of that saving can be reinvested back into a new IPC initiative yeah. to deal with that an issue that we can't actually support and fund right now. I used to have things like that when I was in clinical practice. I'd think uh, we need to do that. And but I know there's some product that we could maybe save some money on. So you mm. go along and say, look, we want to do this, but to offset it, here's one I prepared mm. earlier, we can mm. save a bit of money on that. I do exactly that. Right. would take that. Yeah, I don't know. would take that so, argument. I did that in an NHS trust here yeah. many years ago. It was a product saving to do with um, paper hand towels. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, can we get a proportion of that saving back to the IPC team to invest in some projects? Yeah, Yeah, I did that one years ago on paper hand towels. And what happened was procurement bought very cheap paper hand towels Mm. that weren't very pleasant at all. And then the (laughs) patients found that the actual... uh, Actually, no, it was toilet roll. Sorry, I've got it all wrong around. The trust decided to save money on toilet roll. And the toilet roll became so unpleasant that the patients worked out that the hand towels were actually much nicer (laughs) to use. So they saved a few thousand on toilet roll and spent, I think, about £70,000 on unblocking the sewage system. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that's been an interesting topic. When do you when do you reckon you'll get to a point of looking to be able to evaluate? What's your is it six months from now or twelve months from now? What, what's your yeah, sort of? I don't know. I, we haven't got any clear time points scheduled into the plan, mm. but we can maybe look in three or four weeks' time and see mm. whether we've seen an immediate impact. That mm. because this is the whole trust mm. initiative, whole trust. so you're not phasing mm. in over no. different areas. So you no, should no. see something within a month. Exactly, you like. that's the hope. Okay, um, and then three, four, five, six months down the line, we can begin to think about what the evaluation looks like. Because mm-hmm. it's good, isn't it? Because if you start and get early messages, positive messages after a month and you start pumping out there, we did this and look what the impact has already yeah. been, then people yeah. you, people get on a spiral of confidence equals success yeah. equals yeah. actually there's no bad downside equals success. And then you, it, they keep on going in that area as well. So that's good. Yeah, exactly thing. right. Yeah. For MRSA VR now, using gloves? Yeah. And By the Okay, and that's not changing as part of this? We are definitely challenging that. Yeah. So we're okay. asking staff to, to think really clearly. And in fact, in our new respiratory pathway guidance for PPE, we've given staff an out of requiring gloves. So mm. we're asking staff to think, is the patient symptomatic? Is the body fluid exposure risk? Mm. So certainly for contact precautions, the same would apply. So mm. that's another nice qualitative study. If you're giving staff an out, 
how many people took the out and yeah. why did they take the out yeah. and why didn't they take the out. See, the qualitative research possibilities of GSTT are absolutely enormous. They are enormous. I, must try, I will try to embrace them, Mark. You must. You must. But you're trying to employ a clinical scientist now or somebody with an interest in the environment, aren't you? Absolutely. You, need, you need a social scientist in the team. Oh, that's a great idea. Wouldn't that be amazing? That, to me, is, we've been talking about are we experts on podcasts that went out today and, you know, actually having somebody who's really interested in behaviour change who's actually part of the team yeah. and mm. a social scientist in the team, that would be a really interesting thing to do because the amount of work they could do and help us. Mm. I have had a little bit of that in a previous life, in a previous trust. We had a, a social scientist who was almost seconded to the team during the early part of the pandemic when we were mm. doing our PPE helper programme and that really helped to establish yeah. the programme. So that's mm. a good idea. Yeah. Mm. He has them occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> by the time when the podcast goes out, I'll have forgotten that idea. That's the problem. They float through my brain. And there we go. Anyway, cool. mm. looks like John has to go. He's a busy man and uh, it's been a great pleasure to see you and catch up. Fantastic session this morning, of course, on what do we learn from COVID, which we might talk about now because we haven't got enough time, unfortunately, but maybe another day. Indeed. Thanks another very day. much for your time, John. Great to see you again. Good to see you both. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. And catch you again on another edition of Infectious Control Matters.